Hello, travelers, future travelers, modern nomads. Welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. This is Free Travel for the Modern Nomad, and I am Megan Kaiser, and I want you to travel more because, baby, it's easy, and you can do it for free. That is not a joke. It's not an exaggeration. It's just pure, raw, happily hard-earned truth. So what we do here is we dissect all the ways to travel for free or at least on a fabulously low budget. We talk about brass tacks logistics, but we also delve into the minds, the mentalities, and the personalities of the people who are out there doing it. Because free is important, but story is where it's really at. If we want free travel, we also need to understand the psychology behind it because it's not just a one and done thing. It's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. This, uh, my friends, is our inaugural episode. That means first, uh, that means scariest, and uh, maybe maybe it'll be interesting. So I appreciate more than I can say, honestly, that you're here with me. I spoke for this episode with Sarah Medeski of Obligatory Traveler. Y'all, this woman has her ish together. Self-described as someone who enjoys going off the beaten path but is not too cool to do the obligatory touristy travel things too, Sarah really ensures that a full, fulfilling, and budget-friendly travel horizon is kind of always in sight. She's gotten free cruises, free trips to Alaska and New York, flown for free in countless places to do things like bushwhack through the Alaskan wilderness or paragliding Cape Town, uh, hiked in Panama and Costa Rica, zipline through the Belize jungle. She's done a lot. And can I just say that throughout all this, she's been traveling with not one, not two, but three chronic illnesses. Y'all, this is what it means to be a traveler. This is what it means to let nothing stop you. We're going to get into much of this and many of Sarah's experiences in the conversation to come, and we're also going to discuss how to plan and budget for this lifestyle. Oh, and I'm really excited for you to hear about one of Sarah's free travel hacks in particular because I'd never thought of it before, and it's super solid. Ah, I kind of wish that book wasn't already written. Anyway, find and follow Sarah on YouTube at Obligatory Traveler on her blog, obligatorytraveler.com and on Twitter at obligatraveler. That's O-B-L-I-G-A traveler. Show notes can be found on my webpage everywherefornothing.com and all right, without further ado, let's meet Sarah. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So where are you located right now? I am outside of Philadelphia. So I live in South Jersey, but just outside of Philadelphia. So it's hard to tell people I'm from New Jersey because then they think I'm right outside of New York. So I usually say I'm <laughs> from Philadelphia or at least just outside of Philadelphia. Right. Because if you're in Jersey or if you're in New York, like you're close to New York City, according to everybody else. Yes. Or you're from the Jersey Shore. So <laughs> So do you who live there, do you strongly identify as Jersey, Jerseyites? No, Philadelphia? I would say Philadelphia. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I would say I feel more of, of being a Philadelphian. 
okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to launch into a tangent. Can you just tell me what you think the, the principal dividers are of like a Jersey versus a Philadelphia person? I think Philadelphia, I want to say you're a little more tough than a New Jersey person attitude wise, and maybe just a little bit, um, I don't want to say reckless isn't the word, adventurous. <laughs> If you're a Philadelphian, then maybe a New Jerseyan. I love it. I feel like all Jersey people would fight you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot. Also, uh, sports fan-wise, too. There's definitely a big divide (laughs) between New Jersey and Philadelphia. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, My dad's from Jersey City, so I feel like I I can, like, make fun of Jersey people a little bit. But I can make fun of any person that crosses my path, including myself constantly. So no special talent there. (laughs) Anyway, Sarah, thanks for being here. I wanted to just start things off. Well, not necessarily with that tangent, but that's how we started things off. I want to hear how you got into travel to begin with. Like, let's go way back to the the early days. I would say when I was a kid and really actually still now I am a voracious reader I loved reading and I loved all the different places and books when I read them so anywhere whether you know you're reading Madeline and it's in Paris or different every time I read a book I want it to be in that place Anne of Green Gables and Prince Edward Island but growing up we didn't really have a ton of money so we did road trips and we did some traveling like that but nothing that was far away or any of the places that I imagined so I think reading was really the thing that started me just dreaming about travel and then finally when I was in my 20s and old enough to go off on my own and actually had some money to do some traveling that's when I started the first country I went to is Panama and it it took off from there. It was the most amazing adventure. And then I just wanted to travel all the time. So how did you choose Panama? My husband and I uh, chose Panama mainly because we kind of enjoyed the idea of people saying, why are you going to Panama? It was somewhere warm. <laughs> You're welcome. We could, we could fit in uh, visiting mountains and going to a beach and a city all in the same trip because they're only about two hours away from each other so we thought all right we could fit in three different things and three different adventures all in the same trip so we'll go to Panama I want to circle back to that because I am a voracious reader as well and I I think that probably influenced me a lot too but are there any other book relations that come to mind in terms of where you wanted to go or stories that you've kind of fulfilled as you've gotten older Well, one thing I still really want to say um, is in high school, I went through a whole sort of uh, classic literature Bronte phase. Mm -hmm. So I still haven't been to England to see any Moors. And and in all of those books, it was always so romantic, but eerie and scary to look out across Moors. So that's definitely something I want to do. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you have to wear like a long billowing dress. And walk across them and maybe be crying. Yeah, maybe. Or one tear. Yeah, yeah. One one lone tear just looking out. (laughs) And they have to make that whatever the scary noises it makes when the wind rolls across. So yeah. 
So Panama, and then I'm trying to get into the mindset of someone who didn't travel a lot and then has to kind of be like, well, I want to be someone who travels a lot. Here's how it's going to look. Did you just go play by play or did you guys do Panama and then kind of say like, all right, we are, we're planning for this from here on out. It's going to be in the budget. And like, was there a process like that for you? I think there was, I think we went to Panama and thought we can, we can do this. We can travel, we can go places. It wasn't as hard. We rented a car, we drove around. We were pretty, we were pretty brave on the first trip. Obviously we were kind of in our early twenties, just thinking like, let's just go for it. But then Mm -hmm. after we did it, yeah, it became, all right, well, uh, we don't need a big house. We don't need fancy cars. We don't need any of the things that a lot of couples who are newly married and maybe really want. We're not going to have any of those things. We're going to use our money and travel. Right. So it's aligning your life with your values, which I I love hearing that you do that because so many people are like, oh, I wish I could travel. I wish I could do that. And it's like, well, maybe you don't have to do happy hour every day. Or maybe you could like cut all the things back and then you could do the thing that actually gives you fulfillment. So kudos to you. I mean, we've been in our house for 12 years now and maybe over 12 years and there's still a lot of renovating we need to do. And every year we think, all right, this is year we're going to tackle it. And then we say, but we want to go to Africa. (laughs) So the renovations don't get done again. Um, I saw that you just did the Alaska Uncruise. I didn't get to see much about what that was about, but I would like to know what it's about. And I would also like to know because I heard you won this trip. And so in terms of free travel, you kind of enlightened me to this whole arena of winning free travel yes, like a boss. So please. I didn't win this on a cruise, but I won probably a little over a year ago now. They had a travel essay contest to win their Panama Costa Rica cruise. They were kind of just launching it. It was still a new one for them, essay contest. They had two different categories that you could enter. One if you'd never been on an uncruise and then one if you had been. So you had to write in. The topic was, uh, what does Panama and Costa Rica mean to you? And since I had been to both countries before, I kind of had a good idea of what I wanted to talk about. So I entered mainly just because I really like writing and I figured it was good writing practice and I'm never brave enough to send things to people. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do it. And then was extremely shocked when they called me to let me know that I actually won the cruise. So I got to go on a eight day, seven night cruise uh, through Panama and Costa Rica. We got to go through the Panama Canal, which was amazing kayak and do all sorts of really cool stuff so we loved on cruise so much it's a small ship cruise company and they specialize in adventure so Hmm. you kayak you hike every day you're out off the ship doing something crazy and most of the time there's no other people around it's just you and the maybe 60 people that are on the ship and you break up in the groups and activities so there's really maybe only about six to ten of you during the day it's it's really cool so once we did that we knew that if we ever went to Alaska we would go with them because we knew it would be just as amazing and was it 
Oh, it was, yeah, it was magical. It's great. It's strange in that you kind of have to give yourself over to them or over to the cruise because it's not like a regular cruise where they really follow an exact itinerary. So they kind of just every day decide where to go. <laughs> and so, yeah, and there was just one really magical day where we went into this bay called Gut Bay and they had no plans at the beginning of the trip and going there but they got permission and they asked, Is, would it be cool? Would everybody like to go here? Uh, we just got permission to go there. So of course everyone said yes. And it was just magical with cliffs and the trees and the mist rolling through them and this blue water. And they let us take the kayaks out for the night and we just kayaked around and saw all these like crazy uh, sea stars that looked like aliens and it was great. Wow. So are the activities included with the price that you pay? Because I know with a lot of like the, the typical cruise, it's like spend all this money while you're on the ship and then go spend all this money doing activities when we port. Yeah. Everything's in, once you pay your price, everything's included. So all oh. the food's included, all the activities are included. The only thing that they had charged a little bit extra for was for uh, for Alaska, the one day they did a special snorkeling and it took a ton of equipment and different things. So I, they charged a little bit extra for the equipment. I think it was maybe $20, $30. But besides that, everything else was included, even all the alcohol. So there was a bartender there for the week every night for the Alaska cruise. She had a different themed drink. So that was really cool. How was the food? The food is really good. And you get a chance. It, the dining room is just one dining room. There's not different restaurants or anything. And everyone eats all together at the same time. It's, it feels a little bit like being um, in a grown-up summer camp. Yes, I was so, just yeah. going to say summer camp. Yeah, it feels like grown-up summer camp a little bit. And everybody everybody eats together. And the food is really good. Um, you get For dinner, you can get a choice. And there's always a vegetarian option if you if you want that. And then breakfast and lunch were just buffets. Oh boy, I want this so bad. Yeah, it's it's really it it's really worth it. I think just for us, we just love the part where you get to be in spots that big other people don't get to be in. So Well yeah, and it sounds like you get a full experience without having to plan. Which yeah, kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, we did three weeks in Alaska. So the cruise was only wow. one small part of it. And it was that was just a nice week of letting go and letting other people plan our activities for us because the rest of the trip was very, was very ambitious. Okay, one quick question about another question about the uncruise. I, I am an introvert. And as awesome as this sounds, I also have the anxiety creeping in of just like, how will I escape people when I need to escape? What are your thoughts on that? I have horrible social anxiety. I am also very introverted. And that was, and my husband is too. So that was our fear <laughs> when I won the cruise. And then we realized we had to go on it and that we were going to be stuck on this ship with 60 people for a week. <laughs> but as it turned out, most people who do an on cruise, who go on it, have a very particular uh personality type I think so mm. everybody is already geared towards adventure 
and travel and it would every night you're sitting at dinner talking to different people and everybody has travel stories and it felt good because it felt like these were my people so I didn't mind and actually even with the Alaska cruise there were times that they kind of stagger the activities so there was one day where we were in the group that went out really early and we got back to the ship early and there was barely anyone on it because people were still out doing their activities so it was nice I kind of sat on the deck by myself took a little nap right there on the deck and there wasn't a lot of people around and it seemed like people during the day that day kind of just respect that you know someone comes out to read their book but they're not really going to talk they're going to read you're going to take a nap so it wasn't it was great we were really happy with how just cool everybody was very good to hear and then um you mentioned y'all took three weeks for this can I ask do you guys work from home how do you work your schedule so that you can have all this travel time we don't I we plan I would say we probably budget our time just as much as we budget our money Hmm. so I get a pretty good amount of time off of work just I've been at my job forever and then when my husband started the new job that he works at He sort of negotiated with them. He didn't mind having less money if he could have more time off. And obviously his job was not opposed to that. So he he negotiated to have a certain amount of time off. That's so smart. It really sounds like you guys are locked into... And I'm I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to sound like kumbaya. But it is important to understand what actually gives you fulfillment and he knows that it's not about like a bigger paycheck it's about how many days did I spend traveling this year oh yeah um because of all the gifts that gives so I love that that's great great job all right so you won an uncruise you did another uncruise tell me about this winning racket you got going on for some reason I end up winning things I'm not even sure how it happens a lot of the time um we just we also I did a Twitter chat recently and won free New York City city passes. So we're actually going there at the beginning of October to go for the weekend in New York City so we can go do some free activities with the city passes. I think a lot of people don't think about winning things or I think they look at competitions or contests that they enter and think, "Eh, I'm not, somebody else is going to win and I'm not going to win it anyway. So I'm not even going to try where I think, I don't know, might as well go for it. So Right. Yeah, because the majority of people are probably thinking that former statement of just like, there's no point. So there ends up being so much fewer people that do it at all. If you follow a lot of bloggers and vloggers and, and even travel podcasters, a lot of the time they'll partner with tourism boards and then the tourism board will give away free trips through that. Even I live in Philadelphia and recently... I saw a blogger who was giving away a weekend to Philadelphia and you just kind of had to enter and actually visit Philly gives away trips a lot to Philadelphia. So even if you just look in the tourism boards themselves, they're almost always having some sort of trip giveaway. So this might sound like a stupid question because I'm in the travel world, but I always feel overwhelmed. Like you sound like you have, have a really good way to connect with other people in the travel world and bloggers and vloggers and all that. I get so overwhelmed at the idea of 
trying to delve into the writing community or the travel community because I'm just like, how do I find the right people? And then if I do a like a follower binge, a, a, a person I want to follow binge, then I'm like, uh, I got 50 new people in my feed now and it's too much. And I'm just, I'm going to go turn off the lights and put my face <laughs> in a pillow. I think before I started kind of really hardcore blogging and getting more professional, I suppose, in it, I was more, uh, I'm kind of in another world, very geeky, I'm like a geeky fangirl kind of person. So I like Harry Potter, Doctor Who, all that kind of stuff and, mm -hmm. and into the fangirling world. So when I started really starting to follow vloggers and bloggers and podcasters and things, I think I just brought that sort of fangirling attitude into the, into the <laughs> travel. So then I just started following people thinking, I just, I love these people. I love these people. These people are great. These vloggers are awesome. So I do, I do see that. I kind of, I love it all. I consume it crazily. So I spend a lot of time watching vloggers and I'll read people's blogs and it just gets me really energized and excited to see what everyone else is doing, especially because I travel more part-time and not full-time. So yeah. When I'm home, I just need to live vicariously through everyone else. Yeah, I hear that. Okay, so you do the winning thing. You mentioned tourism boards, following the right type of people because they'll a lot of times hook up with travel, either it's tourism boards or whatever. Do you have any other little, like you said you did a Twitter chat where you won something? Yeah, Twitter chats that are travel related, a lot of times will also give things away. They'll be sponsored sometimes by different companies. I actually, well, I actually just also on doing a different Twitter chat, um, a $100 gift card for a travel clothing company too. Yeah, so a lot of times they'll sponsor and then they'll kind of just randomly pick a person who participated in the chat to win something. I got to yeah, get on those. Yeah, they don't always... They don't always give stuff away, but sometimes when they do, it's fun. Uh, sometimes there was one I did the one time where someone won a trip to Hong Kong because Hong Kong tourism was giving a trip away. So yeah, that would would have been a great one to win, but it was just neat that they were giving it away. Yeah, I think that's an amazing travel hack. I, I've never thought of that, and it's huge. Um, but you also say that y'all are good at managing your credit card points. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. a lot of bit about that we do my husband's mainly the one he's the one who's really good at keeping it organized and tracked he actually really loves doing stuff like that so we usually every month have a little uh have a little chit chat at the beginning of the month to kind of figure out which cards do we need to use for what and how can we manage um the points the best for the month because I know there's one where every quarter it's extra points for certain things. So I have to know mm -hmm. which card do I use for gas this month? Which card am I going to use if I go out to eat for somewhere? Christmas time's a really good time to uh, maximize the points. And sometimes you can even do a little double dipping where one card does this and then it also does that. Or we get... um. We can get airline points if we eat at this restaurant, but then we also get points if we pay with a certain card. So you kind of have to really be good at reading the site and knowing. And 
it doesn't really take us that much time to come up with a plan every month of what we're going to use this month and which cards and what we're going to buy. I think people think it takes an enormous amount of time to work it all out, but once you kind of get in the groove, it really doesn't. And then we mostly use the points for uh, for flights because that tends to be a huge chunk out of our travel budget. And then we'll use we'll also use them for hotel stays. We've been surprised um, that you can use the points now a lot for bed and breakfasts or guest houses or things if you don't want to stay in big hotel chains. So hmm. when you were talking about that, I was thinking. Last night when my boyfriend got home, I was like, I made a bunch of collard greens. They're in the fridge. And then he bought dinner today. When he came home, he bought a whole bunch of collard greens to cook for dinner. <laughs> and so I'm just like, how, how could I ever work with him on a credit card <laughs> point racking plan when he doesn't know like the one big thing that's already in the fridge? Like, do you, is it just y'all's brain types, you think? Or does he map things out? Does he use an app? Does he excel it? Um, and then do you, are you just the best partner in the world that you're just like, got you. It's in my head now. I'm on, I'm on board. Sometimes I have to write it down <laughs> to remember mm -hmm. which cards, just so I don't forget. It used to be a lot easier when the cards were different colors. And now it just seems that every card wants to be blue. So I'll still mess up and use the wrong card just because I will say but I used the blue one <laughs> but yeah now they're all blue um, nail polish maybe yeah, maybe but sometimes I'll just I'll write a sticky note that I keep in the car so I remember yeah. which ones I have to use we we're we don't go crazy I know there are people who have 20 30 cards oh yeah we mainly use I think we have four to five that are the main ones that we use so we're not totally crazy into the credit card points where we have a ton of ca different cards, but he seems really good to be able to come up with ideas. Like even at Christmas, there was, there's a card where there's certain stores that you have to use in order to get the points, but he was good at being able to say, okay, so we can use this store to buy this Christmas gift for this person. Plus, if you go through the cards portal online, then you mm -hmm. actually get even more points and so he was really good at kind of figuring that part out than just telling me what to do. <laughs> I feel like there's a job in there somewhere. Like we all need your husband in our <laughs> lives. There's, there are actually, as far as I know, there are a few companies that will do it for you. You can actually hire companies to manage your points for you. Oh boy. Let's see. You said that Christmas time is a really good time to maximize points. And is that, do you mean like, to open a card so you can hit spending bonuses or just because they do extra things or it's just like a great time to spend money on, on with your credit card? Mainly because they do extra things because they know mm -hmm. you're going to spend money. So usually they'll give, they'll give certain amounts of points for certain stores. Even something as simple as, you know, the one card will give extra points for a few months at Walgreens. And so instead of maybe going to Target to get something that I would normally get there, you know, to go to another store to get a, a hair gel or something, I'll remember, <laughs> okay, at Walgreens is a store that I need to get some of these things at this month. So, but we were able, we were able to pay for our uh, flights to at, back and forth from Africa. Oh with, boy. Yeah. With our points. So we mainly just had to pay for the internal flight uh, that we did, but yeah, 
so Africa we got to fly to. And then I guess the thing, you know, we have our cards just to pay them off every month. So it's not like we're spending crazy money on the cards. We pay all the cards off every month, but we right. just use them primarily to make sure that like there's one card if we eat out you get all sorts of bonus points. So that's always our eaten out card. And and is it with, and it's with any restaurant, right? Cause I know mine, mine only gives two points for eating at restaurants, but I should probably, I should probably get a card that ups that a little bit. Yeah, we have one. We have one where you get extra points for eating at, re- at any restaurant. And then we have another card where you get even better bonus points if you eat at certain restaurants. So, and that one's um, mainly where you get airline miles. So mm-hmm. we'll try to figure out, okay, well, if we eat here, we can get extra airline miles. So, But it's great. Like it, it almost becomes a game at that point. Yes. With- that's what I think. That's kind of how my husband looks at it. So he's right. trying to figure out, all right, how do we, how do we maximize this, this month? So we can pay for our flights to Alaska and things like that. It's just a live action, regular living life game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I think another thing that we do that some people also don't really think of is there are online, there's some uh, discount gift card places mm. where you can get discount gift cards. So we'll go on there and get gift cards for places like hotels.com or they actually have a lot of different airline gift cards. So we'll go there and then get the gift cards and then use the gift cards to pay for hotels or flights and things that we might not be using points for. And it's not a huge savings, but it's enough for, you know, a day's worth of meals if you're traveling. So do you know any of those off the top of your head, the gift card websites? I want to say the two that we used most are Card Cash and Card Granny. I think those are the two we use the most. And usually it just depends on which one has the better deals on what. But we just going to uh, New York City for a long weekend is not is not cheap for staying. So we definitely took advantage and did some uh, Hotels.com gift cards just so we didn't have to pay as much to stay there. Right. What does the discount usually end up being? It depends. Mm-hmm. It's not always exactly the same. It's not a ton. I think for that we maybe saved $65 by getting the mm. discount cards for the hotels.com once we yeah. once we did it but it's it's something so yeah that's to me that's a full dinner for two not yeah. a crazy expensive dinner for two but it's a good dinner for two especially in New York that's like could be 300 dinners for two yeah, yeah it depends on where you eat I might be exaggerating <laughs> um all right well I love on your website you say I enjoy going off the beaten path, but I'm not too cool to do, well, the obligatory touristy travel things too. And I love that you do that because I think some people can get so focused on budget that they like, they'll be in Paris and they'll be like, I'm not going to go see the Eiffel Tower, which maybe, I mean, it is cool to walk up to the top, but, but the point of what I'm saying is, yeah, sometimes you got to spend money. And I love that you you totally have that balance. But can you tell us a little bit more about your budgeting secrets so you can do the cool stuff? I think it's just, I think it is just about balance. It's, you know, it's kind of, okay, we use our points to get the flights. Then we can do, you know, to Africa. Then we can splurge a little bit um, 
and do something like going paragliding, which is what we did when we were in Cape Town. I think, too, just food as well. I think we're fortunate in that we're not we're not huge, we need to eat three giant meals a day kind of people. We're cool with getting up in the morning and maybe we packed a bunch of uh, granola bars or something and maybe just do that for breakfast. Or maybe we usually try to look for places that offer breakfast as mm-hmm. part of, you know, a hotel or a bed and breakfast or something like that. So we might be able to do that and maybe just do a little snack as maybe a lunch and then do dinner a little bit later. So we're just, we're not really focused when we travel on, okay, we have to eat our three big meals that we have to pay for. So we usually spend a little or save a little money that way on food or if we're not really saving on food and we do a really fancy dinner, which we like to do every so often on trips. So, but at least we didn't spend a ton of money all during the day on lots of meals. I think kind of like stocking up on some things um, if you can bring stuff with you so you're not running out and buying a ton of stuff when you're someplace. Yeah, I I think a lot of people for some reason or another people are just willing to spend a lot because they're on vacation and so you spend more than normal on lunch and breakfast and you don't even have any expectations of it to be good it's just something that you do that seems to be such a deeply ingrained mentality thing of oh well we're traveling so we just have to buy a horrible sandwich versus Mm -hmm. make our own from ingredients we bought from the store because I, I want to get to the bottom of that and, and help to change it. But I don't know. If you, if you have any more thoughts, please. I think a lot probably depends on whether or not people get hangry. Like, we're not, we're not hangry people. So <laughs> we, can go, we can go for a while and not eat right away, like, right as soon as we feel like we have to. Mm-hmm. We can kind of hold it out or look for some place that we think is going to be really good. Or maybe sometimes just some place that isn't super expensive or hunt something down. So I I will say vloggers are really good for watching uh, places to eat at. In Alaska, you know, we ate at one place that we knew we could go to. It was like a little, uh, like a hot dog cart that had a uh, reindeer sausage that was in this one place that was on a vloggers. And we're like, all right, we're going to, you know, that's something we're going to do. We're going to go there. And it didn't have to be a really fancy dinner, but it was uh it was really yummy and it was in a park and we got to hang out and the girl gave us really great advice of which which trails we should walk in the park so that was great yeah as far as eating abroad I I always stand by the rule of like of don't ask a local that you meet on the street because that local could be someone like my friend's dad who has no taste whatsoever when it comes to food and they'll be like oh I love I love this sports bar that you know, serves the American equivalent of like chicken fingers and fries. So what I'm trying to say is I'm a huge fan of reading or listening to the people who actually spend time getting to know food and they can be local, but it's not just any local. I think that's a huge impactor of the quality of someone's trip. So I think a lot of people, I'm still surprised, even though I already know. So I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that you do all this and have three chronic illnesses. Yes. Yes, I do. I sometimes, I sort of joke that I kind of uh, collect chronic illnesses, Um, actually (laughs) autoimmune disorders. I collect autoimmune disorders, like a lot of other people, you know collect uh like trinkets or something like that so so fun yeah could you give us the breakdown 
uh, well, I have lupus, kind of like the umbrella of the chronic disorder. So I have that, and then offshoots of lupus, I have one called, even I have a hard time saying it, acid phospholipid antibody syndrome. Um, so that's one that uh, causes your blood to hypercoagulate. So you're prone to blood clots. So I found out I had that when I had a pulmonary embolism, and then I got diagnosed with that. And then I have one that is one disorder that is very rare uh, that's called pulmonary hypertension. And I actually got diagnosed with that because of traveling. So um, most people don't get diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension until they're well into it because you don't really get the symptoms until it's really progressed. For me, it was we were in Belize and we were going zip lining and we had to go up all of these stairs to get to the very top where you start, where you do your first launch point. And I got really out of breath and it was really strange and I had to stop. I couldn't breathe anymore and I had to stop and let everyone else go by me and catch my breath. And I thought it was really weird, but it didn't happen the rest of the trip and it didn't happen after that. So I I'd had kind of like a chest cold before we went and I thought, well, maybe it was just that. Then our next trip after that, we went to Colorado. And of course, when you're in Colorado, you're thinking mm -hmm. I have to hike up a mountain. So we, we went one day to do a hike up a mountain and I couldn't go 20 steps without not being able to breathe. And then I was a little alarmed. I thought it was definitely something a little weird. There was definitely something wrong, but Again, it's, I have lupus, I have all these other things. So I just thought maybe it's related to that. I don't know, but I see my rheumatologist a lot. She sees me a lot because she's always concerned about me because I always have weird things. So the next time I saw her, I told her, just weird. I keep having these episodes of getting really out of breath when I'm doing things. And so she sent me for a bunch of tests. And then one day I got a call uh, that I need to go to the hospital right away right away drop everything you're doing you have to go now uh we think that you might have this thing and we need to do all these tests right now to confirm or to decide what we want to do so um so I went and I had one test done and that one kind of seemed okay and then I had a heart catheterization done and then that showed that I had pulmonary hypertension but I had it, I was in the very beginning stages. Um, I'm actually part of a study there, a lifelong study that they're following me because it is a progressive disease. So I'm at the very early stages and they usually don't get people who are at the early stage. So I'm, I'm kind of hmm. uh, a bit of a fascination <laughs> um, right now because they're treating me and they're hopefully going to be able to kind of really see how it progresses or oh. if catching it early and doing a lot of treatment early will really how much it will really slow down the progression of it so mm -hmm. yeah but again most people don't really get diagnosed until they're at home and kind of going up their stairs at home and they get out of breath and can't figure out why for me it was because I was in Colorado hiking up a mountain and that was what got me out of breath so I feel really fortunate. I don't, if it wasn't for traveling and kind of doing those experiences, I may not have gotten diagnosed until I was really into the disease or the, the disorder. So yeah. How old were you when you found out you had lupus? 
I was in my early 20s, so I was about 23 when I found out that I had lupus. And for a really long time, it never really, it never really did very much. Hmm. It's only, it's only kind of been as I've gotten older that I've kind of developed a lot more of the symptoms and things that you get with the lupus, like having joint pain and things like that. Did, did you fear it was going to affect your travel a lot more? How is it affecting? And, and what do you do to, to just say like, nope, doing this anyway? How do you deal with that mentally? With the pulmonary hypertension, that's probably the one that really affects me. I was really nervous at first. And one of the reasons I really wanted to start uh, blogging about the pulmonary hypertension is I couldn't find, I thought there has to be at least one travel person that has this and they can sort of comfort me and tell me that I'm still going to be able to travel because one of the things is that you're really affected by altitude, which is partly, you know, when we were in Colorado and hiking up a mountain, that was why I had such an adverse reaction to hiking up the mountain. So one of the first things that we had to figure out is whether or not I could fly. And mm-hmm. I was, I was terrified at the prospect. What if we, I can't fly anymore? So they actually had me do a test where I had to go in and they simulate what it's like to be in an airplane, the air in the airplane. You have to sit with this like big mask on and just breathe in less oxygen to see if you're going to pass out or not. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. So I didn't, luckily I didn't pass out. And then they make you get up and take a little walk for a while to make sure that if you got up in the airplane and took a walk, you're not going to pass out. And I didn't pass out. So fortunately, I was, Fortunately, they cleared me and said I could fly, which was really good. So um, it's kind of because of the I have altitude limitations still. There are some places like we had to take off the bucket list, unfortunately, like Machu Picchu. The elevation is just too high and I wouldn't be able to do it. I would have a really hard time breathing if I went there. So that was kind of, you know, it's kind of a bummer to think, all right, there's places now that I can't really go to. And I will say I test the limits a little bit. When we went to uh, Denali, there was the one uh, section in Denali and we took a little, a little hike and I knew it was over my elevation level, but it was just over my elevation level. And I did have to stop a few times while we were hiking and kind of catch my breath. So I definitely have limitations stairs are kind of my nemesis. Lots of stairs are my nemesis. I can do easy, just, you know, maybe three flights of stairs or so are fine. But when I look at Instagram and I see people's pictures, I will be completely drawn to anything that has a lot of stairs and think, oh, "Oh, if I visit there, am I going to be able to do that? But we did what we just went to Watkins Glen State Park in New York. And I remember seeing people's pictures ahead of time thinking, oh no, there's so many stairs. But fortunately, the way it was laid out, it it was fine. And I didn't have any issues. And I'm always so relieved when we go somewhere and think, oh, good. There was something I was worried about. And then it wasn't an issue. I, I will say it's added a little layer of anxiety sometimes to the traveling. I had a bad episode in Zambia when we decided to go down a gorge and didn't really think about it that much when we went down and then mm-hmm. coming back up um all of the stairs there were I had to keep stopping and not being able to breathe and thinking are we ever going to get to the top again so yeah so it just sometimes it's just 
um, making determinations. I think my husband's actually a little better than I am because I am someone who's like, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to do this. And, you know, he'll kind of assess a situation and say, I don't know if we really want to go up this or walk up mm-hmm. here. Or, you know, we went to, um, in Alaska, we went up Mount Roberts and we walked up it for a while. We went to a really nice lookout point. And then there was a point where we could have continued going up the mountain. And it was kind of a thing saying, you know, we saw a lot. This was really great. We have a great view. I don't know if we would need to go all the way to the top. So, And I think that's one of the best things about travel is there's kind of always a next thing. Is there anything else that you feel like you'd want to say to someone who feels that they can't or shouldn't travel because of an illness, whether it's the same as yours, or obviously I know you're not going to be like, it doesn't matter what you have, go do it. But in the same general arena, is there anything you you could share on that? I think for me, one of the more important things was just, you don't have to go big or go home. I think I could have thought, well, now I have this thing and now there's a limitation as to what I can do. So I'm just not going to do anything. And I think a lot of people kind of have that attitude. Like, I don't want to have to deal with trying to figure this out. So I'm just not going to. But there's still so many places I can go. There's very few places at this point that I can't. So I might as well just go to the places I can still go to. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give up traveling just because now it takes a little more time maybe to plan things or figure things out or... I know what my limitations are, what I can't do, but I'll just go do the other thing that's over here then and do that. So I think, again, I think sometimes people think, well, now I have a limitation, so I'm just going to give it all up. And I think you can just work with what you have. Right. Um, It's funny. Like, I think a lot of that short-term versus long-term thinking happens with people where it's like, I don't want to spend, I don't want to have to like use Skyscanner one day per week for the next three weeks to kind of get an idea of what flights are like. I'm just going to go ahead and buy my ticket right now because that's easier. And they don't realize "Mm, it's easier to have 500 more dollars when you're actually traveling than have spent it all in one sitting because of the perceived effort that it takes. Yeah. So yeah, those are two very different examples, but it's, you know, it's just that idea of put you, you are still the same person in the future. So if you like put yourself in that place, you can kind of act accurately weigh effort versus reward. And I don't think Americans are very good at that. It's why we choose to sit and order things on Amazon and watch TV instead of put some money away and uh, go to Africa. Yeah. My husband always jokes about having to keep up with me. I've just, I've never been just a sort of sit and do nothing person. I I don't know if it's just an ingrained way that I am or if because my dad's kind of the same way that we just like to always be doing something. I'm really good at doing things. I'm very bad at sort of not doing things and I think maybe (laughs) I have have to give it a little more balance um, because I can kind of tend to wear myself out. But I just don't want to miss out on anything. So, so yeah, I love doing things, even if it's at night, just sitting and watching vlogs or reading other people's blogs or going out somewhere, even 
if I first get home and don't want to go and then think, nope, I'm going to go and do this thing. So I don't know if everybody kind of has that personality trait or that drive to always need to be doing something, but I definitely Yeah, they do. don't. <laughs> I wish they did. I mean, I think it can be cultivated in everybody, but I think it, like, I, you're probably really lucky that your dad was like that because I do think we learn it. And I even read a study once and I'm going to get like way off whatever here, but it's like, if you don't kind of learn to be an out of the box thinker, by the time you're in your mid to, to late twenties, like once your brain kind of stops doing its major growing, which might actually be early twenties, early to mid, if you aren't a person who has learned to appreciate being on the move and travel, it is marginally more difficult for you to ever want to do stuff like that. This person I was talking to, it was a neuroscientist at Harvard. And he was just like, you can change your contentment levels. You can change, shoot, I can't remember all the things, but he was like, the one thing that you can't really change is your openness to new experience. And uh, I think that's, that's just a thing that I'm saying, but I think it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's almost terrifying to think about. <laughs> yeah, it, it was good for me when I heard it, where I was, very personally, I was like, well, I'm going to stop trying to change the men I date because this is futile and I can just accept that and it's never going to work. But I think there's lots of other applications, especially if you're a young person or a parent, it's like get out there and do things because the door does kind of like you can be perfectly content not wanting to ever travel. But as you, as you are a traveler and so am I, it's like, wait, you that's not what you are supposed to want. Yeah. 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 I can't even, it's hard for me to fathom the other side of that. Right. I feel like I go way, I feel like I go way over the other end where I just want to constantly be doing something different or new or try seeing something different. Yes. Same. Um, well, I feel like I could just keep uh, asking you questions and, going on, but I want to be mindful of your time and our listeners. So to close out, I just have about three questions for you. Okay. Um, do you have any top travel tips? And they could be as like minimal or huge as you can imagine. I would say one, you definitely, for packing, probably never need as much as you think that you do. Mm -hmm. I still struggle with that. Other travel tips. A lot of the times we don't rent cars. Sometimes we do. It depends on where we're at. But public transportation in other places usually isn't as scary as you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really cool and fun. And we've had a lot of really neat experiences either doing that or just kind of, I think our last two trips, two of the coolest people that we met during our travels were uh, drivers that we had arranged to kind of pick us up from the airport. And they ended up being the coolest people and almost now like new friends. I would say you don't always have to rent a car. There's other ways to get around places. Is there a certain way that you arrange them in advance or do you do that through the hotel or hostel or whatever? Usually just online. I just look up um, different companies or different people. I can't even remember how I found the driver. Oh no, Cape Town. That was right. Cape Town, we were going to use Uber. And neither of our phones would work in the airport mm. um, to connect with Uber. And we kept trying to figure it out. And then someone came over and was really nice. And he was trying to help us figure it out. 
and he couldn't figure it out either. And then he said, he just told us, he said, well, really I'm here because I'm a driver and I'm, you know, I, I'm here to pick people up to take them to the hotels. And at that point we were just frustrated and we're like sold. His name was Patrick. He was really cool. Um, he was originally from Zimbabwe. So he told us everything we could ever want to know about Zimbabwe, everything about Cape Town. He was the nicest and gave us his number. So we used him uh, later in the week to come and get us when we needed something. And then we arranged, but he was like, he was really, he was the coolest guy. He had great stories. And it's kind of nice when people actually want to meet you and aren't grumpy or grumbly and they're, they're just as excited that you're wherever you're at visiting. So, yeah. Is there anything you can't travel without, or do you have a favorite travel purchase? Anything I can't travel without. I always have earplugs because I'm a really light sleeper. Same. So I always make sure that I have my earplugs with me. When we used to, when we used to do a lot more road trips, um, I have, I would say it's more of a pillow. Other people might say it's more of a stuffed animal. But I have um, a little uh, sheep that I call Lammy. So when we were younger and did a lot more uh, road trips and doing a lot of flying trips, um, Lammy used to always have to come with me on the trips. <laughs> now, Lammy has to stay home because it doesn't fit in the luggage. But I hear that. All right. And the final question I'd love to ask you, and you can be as like uh, woo-woo or matter-of-fact as you want, is why do you think travel is important? For me, I just love having new experiences because I think it it teaches you about the world for sure. But I think most importantly, it teaches you about yourself. And each encounter that you have with a different person or even just nature, things like that, it, I always feel like I come home learning a little something more about me. So I think it's important to learn more about the world. I feel like it makes me less closed or less of a complainer, not as anxious about things. I guess stuff like that, like definitely the kind of complaining or getting wrapped up in drama part for sure. I think it, it's really it's really reduced all of that down to nothing. I just like, I think, I don't know, being at, in the office at work and not really stressed out because I can always just think, remember when I was in, you know, Alaska and I was, I was kayaking around that bay and it was so beautiful and I don't really care about something that I might get totally anxious over. <laughs> right. Or it's like all the bad things that happen when you travel, when they do happen, it's like, oh, I survived that. And if I got through that, this is not a big deal. Oh, yeah. I love that. And amen. I'm yeah. Right there with you. I think it just also, it's kind of funny. Um, there, was, there, there used to be a podcast and the girls would talk about how there were, there was sort of home them and then travel them. And I definitely think that <laughs> also applies to me. For some reason, something that maybe when I'm at home seems a little crazy. When I'm somewhere else, it seems like, a natural thing like okay yeah paragliding sure why not we're in you know we're in cape town sounds totally reasonable where <laughs> i i don't know at home it might not have really quite struck me to do that so 
Yeah, I've done some real idiotic things while traveling. <laughs> but paragliding is so worth it. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, even something as simple as dancing, which I never do at home. I, if I'm traveling and we're somewhere and people are dancing, okay, sure, why not? Yeah, and what a great reason travel is just for things like that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be overanalyzed or anything. It's just part and parcel par, par <laughs> of the experience. Well, I've kept you probably longer than I promised. And uh, it's been so informative and enlightening. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to all of us. You're awesome. You're a travel baller. Thank you. And uh, I hope I hope we get to see more of you and that I get to meet you sometime. Bummed you're not going to travel con, but maybe yeah. the next one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little sad too that I could only do one, but we'll get there. Yeah, maybe next year. Cool. Well, have a have a great rest of your Tuesday night and happy trails on whatever your next travel experience is. Okay, thanks. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, back at you. Thanks for listening to that, y'all. Something that really stuck with me is the way that Sarah and her husband actually live out their values. Nobody likes sitting down every month or ever and making a budget. But you know what? It's it's no pain, no gain. Uh, I found that really inspiring. And actually, post-conversation, my partner and I had our first budget meeting. It was so fun. It wasn't, it, it wasn't fun. But it wasn't, uh, it felt very empowering afterwards. It was one of those like things that you hate when you're doing it. Maybe sometimes like a, a jog. And then when you get back home, when you're done with it, it's like all those endorphins get going. You feel good about yourself. Anyway, if you have any questions, thoughts, suggestions for the show, people whom I should interview, please email me. It's Megan with two G's, M-E-G-G-A-N at everywherefornothing.com. Or just email me and tell me about yourself. Seriously, just message me. Um, follow me at Boss Megan on Instagram. That's B-O-S-S-M-E-G-G-A-N. Subscribe to this podcast, oh please. And if you want to help bring travel to the masses and make the world better and much more open-minded, then leave a review for this podcast. Follow it or just holler at me, all that stuff. I'm not even kidding. Reviews actually do help that much. Um... Otherwise, check out everywherefornothing.com or my personal website, bossmegan.com. You're really wonderful for being here. Uh, I hope that you know that you're absolutely enough and that you deserve to live the life you want, especially if that includes lots of travel. I'm signing off for now, but leaving you with a quick word from our sponsors at Rayos Gear. So, you're wading through the water on a pristine beach in Phuket, or you're deep sea fishing in Cabo San Lucas. You're tubing down the Bavaria River on a hot summer day. Oh, is that a fish right there? A colorful sighting of water mystery. You look down and bam, there go your sunglasses. And before you can even take a breath and dive under, they are gone, baby. Wouldn't you like it if those sunglasses weren't gone? Wouldn't you like it if they floated? Doesn't that make sense? Travel, water, adventure, gear that doesn't disappear? My good friends Jake and Becca started Rayos Gear because they're rational people who don't like losing things, but they also like being stylish about it. So go check out RayosGear.com. That's R-H-E-O-S 
which comes from the Greek word meaning stream of water, that is. Rayosgear.com. Tell them I sent you by using the code free travel, that's one word, at checkout. You're great. I like you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>